0: So Jesus and CSI have something in common. (laughs) They both want to know, who are you? Today is my birthday. 57 years ago, today, my mother was hot and hugely pregnant. She lived in a home in Central Texas with no air conditioning, and she was about to give birth to me, her 10 pound baby. The doctor had been so convinced that I was coming on July 4th weekend that he canceled a vacation. This is how they did it in small towns in Texas in the 60s. My grandma had said, oh no, it'll be August 28th. And so what we learned from that is listen to your grandma. But it was August 23rd and my mother was hot. And at this point in the day, she did not know that while she was watching Gilligan's Island on that night, I would, she would have a 15-minute labor and there i would be but i do wonder if at this time in the day she was wondering who will this child be what will she grow up to be and then 7 years ago i was 2 days away from starting my first day of seminary so much had happened It felt as if my life had been disassembled and ripped apart and turned upside down and stitched back together in kind of a crummy way, and we didn't know if the seams were going to hold. And my central question was, who am I? I didn't even know anymore. And then here I am today, running a food pantry, reaching out to the community around me, Having benefited so much from my time here with you a couple years ago, and yet now being a pastor in a way that is not really connected in any visible way to what I did here. In fact, being a mission developer is hard enough in lovely times, in a time of pandemic, it's kind of crazy. And yet the call is strong and compelling And I know I am doing what God has created and prepared for me to do because every time I start doubting, there's some amazing gift that comes. And I say, oh, well, gosh, I wonder who I am. Who have I become? What's next? These are timely thoughts and not only because it's my birthday. In today's lectionary lesson from Isaiah, it's it's from a section of Isaiah known as 2nd Isaiah. Because biblical scholars have said in the same way that we have 1st Kings and 2nd Kings and 1st Samuel and 2nd Samuel, Isaiah is basically three distinct books. And in 2nd Isaiah, that's where we get the servant songs, which are little sections that talk in ways that really seem to heavily foreshadow the life that Jesus would lead. But in this part of 2nd Isaiah, not the part where the people have been in captivity, but the part where God is giving them hope again, God says, listen to me, you that pursue righteousness, you that seek the Lord, look to the rock from which you were hewn and to the quarry from which you were dug. And then there are a whole bunch of verses about how God will continue To love and care for God's people. And it culminates in, my salvation will be forever and my deliverance will never end. And what that means is that even though those words were delivered from God to Isaiah to the Israelites who are in captivity, they still apply to us today. Because we are part of forever. And if God's deliverance will never end, then that means it's still going on today. God is saying, don't forget who you are, whose you are. Don't forget how much I have always loved you. Don't forget where you come from. Don't forget that in captivity and difficult times and pandemics, all that I have given you is still there. All that you deserved, or at least so you thought, because it's been so ever-present. All the things that you have grown maybe to trust and think, that's what normal is. But remember, what's normal is me. God says, I am the one that will not change. Don't forget that you really can count on my undying love for you, regardless of circumstance. God opens God's arms, and in an air hug, or a hug so close that it's right in your being, God says, you are mine. You're my beloved favorite. And then we turn to Matthew. Now, in the run-up to this passage in Matthew, Jesus has been telling parables, which I'm sure you all know, or maybe you don't, but parables are the way that Jesus used ordinary things and the circumstances of people's lives to help them understand the kingdom of God, or as it says in the Inclusive Bible, the kingdom of God. And I really like that little flavor of it. Pointing out God's order for the universe even as it has to peek through the cracks of brokenness in our stiff and rigid world. This is not how people were used to thinking about things. Jesus was going around and saying all this weird stuff, and it galvanized people. If you you look in Matthew, you'll see they swarmed around him. Every time Jesus showed up, there were people everywhere, and they liked it when he fed them. They liked it when he healed them. They really said, something's different about this guy. Now, there's a throwback in this to Isaiah, and there's no reason to believe that everybody that Jesus was talking to was Jewish. Just in the same way that I have no reason to believe that everyone who's hearing my voice now or who will hear it later this week or whenever they decide to tune in on Facebook is a Christian. And yet Jesus spoke to everybody. We welcome everyone. That song, which was one of my ordination songs, just, I was afraid I would start crying, but I didn't, that's good. But all are welcome, whether it's by Zoom or Facebook or live in person. People knew the stories of the Jews then though. They knew who these people were, kind of like people now know the story of Christians, even if they don't claim to be Christians themselves. For example i've heard people say in fact in my work now kind of a lot of people say oh yes jesus was a good guy in fact in our in our vision board for the parktown food hub everyone on the board only has to agree that living according to the example of jesus is a good idea i don't ask them if they believe that jesus is god and you are you would be surprised how many people who have theologies all over the place are very happy to say the way jesus did it was a good way and so i think that part of what jesus is asking peter and the other disciples is who are you who do you say i am do you say i'm a good caterer and it's really nice that i can heal people and i'm, I'm kind of an edgy hipster rebel or do you say, I'm something else? Because I'm pretty sure Jesus already knew the answer. Jesus is always asking questions. But sometimes we need the answers so we know the answers too. And I feel pretty strongly that what Jesus wanted to ask Peter and the other disciples is, Who are you? Because the way I see it, who we say Jesus is tells us a lot about who we are how we will behave, what we will value, how we will treat one another. If you believe, like an acquaintance of mine does, that Jesus was a nice Jewish boy who loved his mother, well, that's not a bad thing. But you might not notice some of the gifts that God promises us so eloquently in that passage in Isaiah. Because what we believe about Jesus affects what we do. Now, Simon Peter's claim, because you know Peter, Peter's going to say it right out. He'll just boldly do whatever crosses his mind and then be really glad that Jesus loves him anyway. I like Peter for that. But Peter says that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. It It is beyond a caterer, beyond a healer, beyond Jesus the captivating speaker. It was not about what Jesus did. It was about his heart, his being, his very nature. That's what Peter identified. And then you'll notice that Jesus did not respond to anything about Peter's behavior either. He also didn't respond to Peter's mind. It was not being rational or scientific or even within the law. Jesus said that Peter's belief was a gift from god that kind of faith is a gift that takes the believer beyond the surface of rational belief beyond the way it benefits me beyond logic beyond law and then do you know what happened then well you do because it's right there in the text but when peter confessed his belief that jesus is the messiah the son of the living god Jesus gave the disciples this amazing gift. Here are the words Jesus used. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Wow. That's a tremendously huge thing. It's what we Lutherans call the office of the keys. I remember being in seventh grade. And my pastor telling me that because I believed in Jesus, whatever I bound up would stay bound, and whatever I loosed would stay loose. And that was a huge amount of power for a seventh grader who didn't know who she was. And it's a huge amount of power for us today because it's still true. It's part of the deliverance that lasts forever. Whatever you bind up here on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever we loosen here on earth will be loosed in heaven. And after giving them this incredibly powerful gift, Jesus (laughs) says, Oh, yeah, don't tell anybody I'm the Messiah. What? 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 You mean, what? Hmm. Why would you do that? What about evangelism? Aren't we supposed to run around and tell everybody that Jesus is the Messiah? And I wonder if it could be that Jesus didn't want the power of loosing and binding to be the main point. Because, you know, when we live into power, it's really easy to say, I'm better than you, I can loosen you, I can bind you, and it lasts forever, even into heaven. Because I don't think that's what Jesus wanted us to do with that power. I think, in fact, it is meant to point us to how following Jesus changes us. When we have faith that Jesus is the Messiah, consciously or unconsciously, our behavior skews to loosening rather than binding up. It's a transformation. Because you see, despite having all this great power, we also have choices. We can hurl accusations. We can, apply, we can apply burdens. We can decide who should be punished and who's guilty. We can count out all the ways that everybody else has failed and how wrong they are and how terrible it will be if they're the ones in charge and never, ever let them forget. But we have the power, right? The power to loosen. We can also free people from their burdens. We can be the gentle landing spot in a hard and unkind world. Maybe we can't do it consistently on our own, but that's the gift that Jesus gives us. Admitting that Jesus was a cool guy who made some good choices just doesn't transform us to become people who loosen bindings. If it's in our heads... Or in our behaviors, it's not going to be the same thing as if it's in our hearts and it's in our trusting. It is faith that allows us to let go of our need to be right and our need to show others how wrong they are. I heard Sabbath defined once as being able to let go and trust that God will take care of it. I think that's what we have to do in the loosening. I know you are so wrong, but I'm going to let God take care of it. I'm not going to add extra burdens. I have a friend whose boyfriend is coming home from a very difficult time and place. And a lot of the world is judging him right now. Judgy, judgy, judgy. Severe, everywhere judgy. And she could have taken an attitude of, well, this is how it's going to be. And instead, do you know what she did? she got all of her old coffee jars and filled them with every kind of candy that he loves and she put balloons everywhere and when she went to pick him up she went the night before because she didn't want to be late and i thought how much more transformative is that than continuing to say you should be judged she was loosening his bindings i don't even know if she counts herself a christian but i know that she has said Jesus did a good thing and she's behaving in a way to loosen the bonds on somebody. Now, mostly we don't get to have huge, happy homecomings in time of pandemic. Mostly it's small things. I am keenly aware every single day that at the Parktown Food Hub, we, can, we have power. We can tighten the bonds by using our own standards To determine who needs it enough, do you have great enough need? I can tell you that. No, no I can't. Because we also have the power to loosen the bonds of shame that goes with having to ask for food. With the hunger for people by giving them the food they request without question. Trusting God to take care of it. I've been in enough churches and community groups to know that we can bind people. You know how we bind people in churches? See what her hair looks like. I can't believe she wore that to church. Well, you know, they're not logging in every week. Who? <laughs> we also demand that another sexuality or gender or mode of dress fit our own standards. That tightens the bindings but we can loosen them too. We can loosen by loving from the heart, by saying, you've never tuned in before? How awesome. Look, there were three people here this week that hadn't tuned in before. Wow, look at all the people who are looking at this. Look at all the people who had a good time in the crossing when we had to stop and start over. (laughs) Now, I'm going to say two words that should strike fear in all of our hearts. In this pandemic election time, I am beyond aware that with our votes, we have tremendous power to bind. Because with our votes, we can choose to maintain our personal privilege, to increase our own wealth, or we can loosen bindings by thinking, how will my vote affect not just me, but also everybody else? How will my vote play into systems of systemic racism, patriarchy, white supremacy? Will my vote create equity, or will my vote be a status quo? Will I bind people with my vote, or will I loosen the bindings? There are a lot of ways to live into faith in Jesus. In today's New Testament law, I mean lesson, It's not law at all. Paul tells the Romans that we might prophesy or minister, teach, or exhort, give generously, work diligently, or exhibit great compassion or cheerfulness. How about that? Working hard and giving are in the same list as compassion and cheerfulness. Huh. So how we vote, or give, or welcome, will be different for every person in every different situation. It isn't one size fits all. It isn't even one size fits the same person today and tomorrow. And that's why I think being transformed by the renewing of our minds, by consistently studying, by working, by listening, as Paul puts it, is by faith is critical. You know, at Duke, when you walk into the Divinity School, there's this big massive arch, because, you know, Duke loves are massive everything, and it says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. What a gift to give students who are walking in to study, who are tempted to say, boy, I'm done with school, I'm out of there. But no, it's a reminder every day that our minds need to continue to be transformed to be more like Jesus. Because if you do the thing that you do because you are living your faith and following the Jesus that you know in person, it will show. It will show whether you realize it or not. So, who are you? Jesus and the whole world really wants to know. Amen. now let us join in our hymn of the day number what is it 818 In your mercy, hear our prayer. You call forth praises from the far reaches of the universe to the smallest of creatures. Join our songs to theirs, that a spirit of praise and thanksgiving will arouse us to cherish this wondrous home you give us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. All the kings of the earth shall praise you, O Lord direct the leaders of countries legislators and magistrates mayors and councils to walk in your ways help leaders regard those in need with mercy and fulfill your loving purposes in the governance of peoples lord in your mercy hear our prayer though we walk in the midst of trouble you preserve us deliver us and fulfill your purpose for us According to your steadfast love, grant healing and wholeness to those who are bereaved, in trouble or, in, or adversity, or sick in need of care. Lord, in your mercy, Hear our prayer. you call us into this community in which we, though many, are one in Christ. May we recognize in ourselves and in one another the unique gifts you have given us for the building up of the church for the sake of the world. Lord, in your mercy,
1: hear our prayer.
0: Now take a minute to remember those that we lift up specially as having special need at this time. You are the everlasting rock from which we were hewn, and you restore your people to joy and gladness. In blessed memory and hope, we thank you for the lives of our beloved dead. Bring us with them to our heavenly home. Lord, in your mercy.
1: Hear Hear our our prayer.
0: prayer. Amen. Amen. As the the family family of of St. Philip, Philip, we we ask that you open our ears to hear your call for us
1: and guide our feet in following.
0: Help us to be good stewards of our time and treasure, and to put our trust in you to provide.
1: We ask for blessings on the life of our pastor, and that your spirit guide us in relationship
0: and ministry. We put our hope in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let us pray. By your word, you judged the wickedness of a fallen humanity. You sent your cleansing flood to restore creation. You brought Noah and the ark safely through the raging waters and established a new covenant marked by a great bow in the sky. For your just and restorative word, O God, we give you you thanks thanks and and praise. By your word, you established a great covenant with Abraham. You promise to remain with him and his descendants and to bless all the world through him. For your faithful and eternal word, O God, we, we give, you give you thanks, thanks and praise.
1: praise. By
0: your word, you continually rescue your people. You strengthened Joseph and his trials and shepherded your people Israel out of the house of their slavery. For your trustworthy word, O God, we, we, give, we give you thanks, thanks and praise. And praise. By your word, you provided the gift of the law. You equip us with order and justice. You bring harmony and shalom into our brokenness. For your word of peace, O God, we We give you thanks thanks and and praise. By your word, you call leaders and prophets. You open our eyes to the error of our ways. You grant wisdom and vision to your people and bring healing of mind, body, spirit, and community. For your word of Shalom, O God, we give you thanks and praise. By your word made flesh, Jesus Christ, you direct our path and open our hearts to your reign. You draw us near to us. you draw near to us in Christ, and break into our reality with the joy and peace of your rule. For your word with us, O God. We, we give you thanks and praise. And praise. Work in us, O God, through your creative, faithful, just, forgiving, and powerful word. Being steeped in your word, make us proclaimers of it, and send your spirit to direct us in the way of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Gathered into one, no matter where you are sitting at this moment, we are gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, and I invite you to pray as Jesus taught us. Forever and ever. Forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. God, the Creator, Jesus the Christ and the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, bless you and keep you in eternal love. Amen. Amen. Now we will join in singing Built on a Rock from 652.
1: The greatest and first commandment. Jesus, Jesus tells us that a second is like it. We shall love our neighbors as ourselves. We answer that call and we go out to share the love of Christ. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God.